You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast. Good day, everyone. I'm Rodney Bosch, Senior Editor of Security Sales and Integration. On the other end of the line with me today, I have ADT President and CEO Jim DeVries. Jim and I are going to spend some time today discussing market disruption caused by the coronavirus. We'll touch on how ADT has strategically approached the pandemic. No small task with 20,000 employees and 200 dealer partners. We're going to hit on current market conditions and the path forward. And as some of our listeners likely know, the crisis is especially personal for Jim. He contracted and fought off COVID-19. Jim, welcome, and thanks so much for carving out the time to be here. Thank you very much, Rodney. Okay. Jim's working remotely in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm in the Los Angeles area. Between those two geographic points, every state in the nation is now reopening to varying degrees, but I'd like to start our conversation at the point just prior to when this unprecedented crisis began to flare up. California was the first state to go into lockdown. I believe that was March 20th. Jim, weeks before that date, however, at some point there must have been a cold reckoning for you that the epidemic, soon to be a pandemic, was for real and your organization and business was going to change in unthinkable ways. Can you take us back to that moment of realization and what were your first steps strategically? Yeah, absolutely, Rodney. We we came into the crisis with a very explicit decision that at ADT we were going to play for the long term. Uh, we knew that there were going to be some very difficult times ahead, and, uh, and and we explicitly made the decision that this wasn't about just surviving in the long term or surviving in the short term, but also uh, really thriving in the long term. And so we put together a defensive playbook uh, to ensure that we could adequately get through the crisis, uh, but we also uh, wanted to take the opportunity to ensure that we're setting the pins uh, for, for our future. And uh, so philosophically, we came in really with sort of a dual game plan. Both, both for lack of a better term, an offensive plan um, and a defensive plan. Uh, we had, as, as North Stars for us, really a, a commitment to our employees, uh, not unlike a lot of other organizations. We were, we were focused on ensuring the safety of our employees. Um, and then uh, being an essential business um, weren't just words for us. Uh, we also, as a second North Star, really, had a commitment to our customers, and uh, all of the work that we have done uh, since the crisis started has really been with sort of those guardrails in place, uh, both an offense and a defensive plan, uh, an orientation 
into both uh, short-term and long-term, and then those North Stars of uh, a commitment to the safety of our employees uh, and a commitment to ensuring that um, that what our customers expect for us from us was de- was delivered for them. Right. So, I mean, as an organization, you guys no doubt have a, a crisis management playbook. I, I mean, you can tell me, but I mean, I can't imagine it included reacting to a pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the initial steps of, of getting central station staffing to set up, you know, to work from home and, and, and those kinds of things? Yeah, Rodney, that was probably the first, the, the very first uh, major initiative that, that we had as an organization was exactly what you just mentioned. Uh, it's an existential threat, really, for, for us as a company. Uh, the, the notion of being unable to continue to monitor our customers. We have great geographic diversity uh, and lots of redundancy built into our organization. Uh, nine uh, different locations where we do monitoring all over the country five major uh, centers where, where we do monitoring, uh, but but, it, but we really never had uh, envisioned a, a pandemic like this. And so right out of the gates, our plans were to shift to remote work locations, and uh, we put together a cross-functional team. Uh, it, it was a Herculean effort across the organization, all functions, and uh, over the course of about nine weeks, uh, we successfully moved, give or take, about 90% of our 5,000 uh, call center and monitoring employees to remote working. Uh, and, and that's continued uh, through, through today and, um, and very likely, interestingly enough, will probably uh, be very much a part of, of how we operate going Going forward, uh, there's still some some tech, technology work uh, to do. There's still some work on privacy to do, uh, but um, but uh, the notion of work from home and, and remote working uh, is probably going to be with us uh, well beyond well beyond the pandemic. Uh, but to, to answer your question uh, more succinctly, right right out of the gate, uh, the first order of business was this uh, massive uh, work from home initiative that um, that our organization uh, deployed. Wow. So you foresee work from home on a permanent basis for a good percentage of your central station operators? Uh, possibly, uh, you know, we have some we have some work to do before we make a, a decision on the monitoring side. Uh, but on the customer care side of our um, of our operation, I would expect that um, that work from home is a you know is, is a permanent feature. Uh, the you know the the silver lining in the crisis has been that there's new ways. You know, we, we've we've seen new ways to work, and um, you know, I think it was Plato that said necessity is the mother of invention, and uh, we have learned uh, a, a great deal about uh, remote 
service and if there's a way to provide service to customers uh, virtually versus on their premises. Uh, we've learned a, a lot about uh, about the communication cadence and frequency with which we have to uh, communicate and, and uh, work from home as a viable alternative for some number of our care center employees is another learning and, and another silver lining that, that we've experienced through, you know, through the last couple of months. Uh, I definitely want to jump into um, those kind of lessons learned and, and best practices moving forward a little bit later in our conversation. Ken, I'd like to stick on kind of that, that immediate strategizing you guys went through. All these technicians that you have in the field, how were how were they affected, and and did you have to go out and acquire personal protection equipment for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, job number one for us uh, was was the safety of our employees and the safety of our customers. And uh, so there was a full-blown effort around uh, protective equipment. Uh, we did a lot of a lot of work around communication and, and education. Uh, we put in place customer screening to ensure that um, that our customers were were safe when we arrived. Uh, and that our techs were safe when they arrived at the customer's home. Uh, we built in, uh, Rodney, a lot of flexible scheduling. Uh, one of the things that we, we had in place for, uh, I guess it's probably about six or eight weeks now, was a unpaid furlough alternative where employees, um, our, our technicians in particular, but really any employee uh, that was uncomfortable working, uh, even if we had work to do, if, if the employee was uncomfortable, we allowed them to go on furlough. Uh, they continue to get company-provided benefits, and uh, if for personal reasons they just needed to stay away from work, we uh, we supported that. And so a combination of full-core press on protective equipment, uh, heavy education, uh, heavy communication, uh, flexible scheduling, uh, the, um, the customer screening that I mentioned, all of this was uh, part of was, was part of what we deployed uh, very early in, in the pandemic. And then door-to-door sales, you, you, those were halted immediately. They were, yeah. The um, door-to-door sales right right out of the gate for both us uh, in, in our direct business and with our 200 dealers uh, was, was suspended temporarily. Uh, we've now just started uh, to unwind those provisions. Uh, it's done on a state the, uh, the unwinding of um, uh, of uh, the elimination of door to door has been a state by state endeavor, and in some cases a, a county by county or even city by city endeavor. Uh, we're watching health trends. We're monitoring, um, paying close attention to to state government decisions. But as uh, shelter in place has eased, uh, we have started to do door to door. Sales again, but uh, to your point, early in the process, door-to-door sales was uh, suspended. Have you, in, in this brief time that door-to-door sales have resumed, any feedback from the field on how uh, end users and consumers are? You know, are they receptive to having somebody knock on their door? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you have. I mean, uh, safety safety has to be paramount, and uh, so we've implemented uh, protocols for how we interact with with customers at a premise. Uh, we make sure that not only for our technicians but for our sales folks that, that they have protective equipment. Uh, there's an education process that uh, that, that we uh, share with customers that has social distancing as a um, as a central tenet, and um, and you know the the we, we're working our way through it. Uh, for some number of customers, uh, we are doing phone sales and and uh, trying to navigate the process in a virtual way. Uh, but um, but if if we can't do it virtually and uh, we need somebody on site to do uh, the design of the system and uh, we follow safety protocols, uh, both the customer and and our sales rep, uh, we've we've been able to successfully navigate it. Excellent, excellent. Listen, I wanted. I just want to touch. I want to talk a little bit about your own experience with COVID nineteen. Jim, can you just give us some background on, you know, when you fell ill? What were your symptoms, and what led you to be tested ultimately? Yeah. So I um, so obviously we had we had to publicly disclose uh, that I I'd been diagnosed with COVID nineteen. Uh, Rodney, I'm I'm keenly aware of how other uh, patients and and families have uh, suffered deeply from from the impacts of the illness. Uh, I was fortunate to have had very mild symptoms. Uh, I, I never missed really never missed a day of um, of keeping my commitments, uh, albeit from quarantine. Uh, but it was a um, it, it was a uh, mild. Uh, illness for me, and um, I followed, you know, pretty strictly the self-quarantine guidelines, and uh, thankfully now I'm fully recovered. Excellent. Can you share with us where you think you may have been infected? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not. It's it's so difficult to say. I uh, I, I I just have no idea. Uh, I was. Uh, I was I was one of those guys that was pretty careful about it. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was practicing social distancing, uh, washing washing my hands. Uh, I was I was super careful uh, when when out in public, and um, I I just have you know really no no idea uh, when when I when I got it. Mm. Uh, the onset wasn't uh, very long. You know, the, the symptoms were all the same traditional symptoms that um, that you've read about, uh, and, and I had those symptoms and uh, was able to get a test here in uh, Florida. Uh, a few days later, the diagnosis came back positive, and uh, and then I, I went through the you know quarantine process. Yeah. But um, but as I mentioned, overall. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you know at least my symptoms were very mild. Yeah, listen, I'll state the obvious, but that must have hit you like a ton of bricks. When did you go in to the testing thinking, "Wow, maybe so," or was it just something to check that box? Nope, I'm good. 
Yeah, you know, I probably had a bias for uh, think, thinking that uh, I had it. Uh, the you know the the symptoms checklist. Uh, you know, I, I think I checked most of those boxes, and uh, so so when I went in for the testing, uh, it, it was confirmation of sorts. Uh, the doctors were terrific, super thorough. Uh, the the test is you know painless, and um, and then you know a few days later it's confirmed, and you know, hunker down through through the quarantine, and. Um, and get through it. I, uh, you know, I know there's a, um, it's a, it's, it's such a, um, such a uh, challenging situation because it impacts people in such significantly different ways. Uh, but, but as I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, at least, at least for me, Rodney, it was, um, you know, it was just, while not a walk in the park, uh, it wasn't um, anything like the seriousness that um, some other patients have, have experienced. Yeah. And, and post-recovery care, are, do you go through some testing protocol or, or is this pretty much in the rearview mirror for you? Yeah, it's it's in the rearview mirror for me. Uh, the um, the uh, even the end of the quarantine, uh, while you no longer have a fever and really don't experience any any of the symptoms any longer, you you stay in quarantine. You ensure that you're not contagious, and um, and that probably was give or take a month ago, and uh, so it it for me is uh, in the rearview mirror. Uh, and uh, and and uh, no 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 side effects, no symptoms any longer. All right, all right, great. So listen, um, here we are today. You and I are talking on May twenty first. You and your executive team. It sounds like you have already had or allowed yourselves the time to consider lessons learned and best practices that will become ingrained in the business moving forward. You touched on that a little bit earlier in our conversation. I'd like to dig a little deeper into that. Can you, you know, give me two or three bullet points of um, what you see, how, how your business, how your organization has now inexorably changed as we, you know, move forward? Rodney, I, I have never been more proud of our organization than I have been the last eight weeks. Uh, I think a lot of people at, at ADT, a lot of people in our industry, are drawn to the business because they feel something akin to what a first responder feels. You know, the work that we do matters. Uh, we, we're in the life safety business. We're in the peace of mind business. And, uh, and, and, and I think that our organization really came together even more so over the last couple of months. Uh, the, the, um, bravery of our technicians, uh, the teamwork of, of our leaders, uh, the cross-functional response to our work remote uh, initiative, uh, the way that our, our technicians and call center employees have performed, uh, it, it's been incredible. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that one of the things we wanted to do was think about how we 
uh, planned for the long term, that, that we come out of the crisis an even stronger organization than, than when we entered it. And uh, on the top of that list, from my perspective, is uh, ADT is, is a mission-oriented organization, uh, has a stronger sense of identity, uh, a stronger culture, uh, even more pride than, than when this started. Uh, I, I think that um, I, I think that it's been uh, I, I think that it's been a harrowing experience for for everyone, uh, but I think that we are coming out of it uh, just just uh, just much stronger. And 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 personally, I, I uh, have just been blown away by the way that the organization responded. Okay, um, it's interesting. I mean, I've through the course of reporting some of these stories and speaking with dealers, large and small, and, and central stations, I hear a lot of that, of, uh, of companies just have this newfound sort of appreciation for their employee base coming together and just really rallying around the mission of, of getting through all this and, and still serving their mission as, you know, providers of, of, of security. Listen, I want to, I want, I hope you can take me through a quick overview on the different segments of ADT's business and, and, you know, and how they've been impacted, you know, and in, in doing that, Jim, I'm hoping that gives us kind of an indication of where the market's at and kind of where we're headed. So can you riff a little bit about, you know, let's start with your national accounts. What did you see initially and, and where, where is the national accounts division right now as far as being impacted by getting on project sites or signing new accounts? Yeah, so so uh, national accounts, and, and in fact, Rodney, our, our not only our national account business, but our commercial business, uh, like like all commercial businesses in in our space, has been impacted. Uh, and the principal impact is we don't have access to customer premises, and um, and so for us, uh, commercial far and away will be the most impacted of our businesses. Uh, we we you know it's tough it's tough to tell tell the future uh, how long this is going to last uh, how long the recession will last uh, but we think that we're pretty well positioned in in commercial uh, to recover uh, relatively speaking pretty quickly uh, our commercial business is highly diversified uh, we're in all geographies we're we're in the intrusion space the fire space, card access, video. Uh, not not only do we have geographic diversity, but the sector diversity um, is pretty significant. We have a large and growing healthcare presence, uh, and so we think that as uh, as things settle down, the commercial business uh, for us should should snap back um, more quickly on a relative basis because of um, because of that diversity uh, and. And because of the you know, 
presentation and, and quality of, of the of the commercial uh, business that we have. On the residential side, uh, the the um, business has been just incredibly resilient. Uh, the do it for me uh, business, our professional install business, uh, has uh, has has done well. Uh, and the DIY business, uh, a business that we got into about a year ago uh, through a, a small acquisition that we've used as a platform to grow DIY, um, has also performed well. And uh, so we feel we feel great about the residential business. Uh, it's already proving to be resilient. Uh, we had a terrific first quarter. Uh, we shared uh, in our last earnings call that we felt um, pretty good about our uh, customer retention in particular in April. Uh, and I'd say that the, the residential business, I think, will, will do well. Uh, and commercial uh, will probably uh, pause a little bit here as, as, uh, as, as we work through the next chapters of the pandemic and the early chapters of the recession. But I think our team is, uh, and our business is, is prepared to um, snap back pretty quickly. Unemployment is at historic heights. Of course, a lot of that, you know, small businesses aren't opened. Maybe a lot of them aren't going to be open. Can you give us a little prognostication on how you expect maybe the SMB space, how they're doing, how it's doing now, and, and you know, how quick, how quickly that might recover? Yeah, tough, tough to um, tough to predict from with with at least for me. I mean, tough to, to tough to predict with confidence um, when when SMB will recover. Uh, you, know, you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of opinions on, on you know sort of economic macroeconomic perspectives on um, how long the recession will last, and um, and and so it's you know so it's a it's a little bit difficult for me to weigh in with confidence and, and certainly difficult to weigh in with precision on, on when I think it'll come back. Uh, I, I think that um, I think small business will be a headwind for us. Uh, for for some period of time, uh, not not unlike the commercial business, until we can get access to the premises, uh, it's going to be you know it's going to be tough sledding. But there too, our um, our diversification is pretty significant. We've we've got uh, as as you know a, a fantastic SMB team, and uh, I think as we see an easing of uh, shelter in place and businesses get back on track, uh, I'd expect fact that, um, that ADT will will uh, snap back in that in that space as well. Jim, during ADT's recent earnings call, you referenced favorable market dynamics that have prompted you know the company to explore high quality bulk acquisitions as an option for for deploying capital. What has been the impact on multiples, and how has the M and A landscape been impacted by all this? Yeah, we. I, you know, my my sense is that the uh, what we call tuck-in acquisitions in the commercial space uh, will 
I, I think we'll have a healthy pipeline of of um, opportunities in the in the commercial space. Uh, I think that um, during the course of the pandemic, uh, in in commercial in particular, uh, my sense is that the that the strong will get stronger and and the weak likely uh, will get weaker. Uh, my my sense is from an M and A perspective, there will be. Um, high-quality uh, alternatives for us to pursue, and, um, and we'll look at those tuck-in acquisitions. Our model in, in M&A in the commercial space really orbits around talent. And uh, while we use the M&A to fill in our footprint in areas of the country or in businesses where we need more scale, uh, we're really looking uh, at the end of the day to bring on board great talent. Uh, and I think that in this environment, uh, the opportunity to do tuck-in acquisitions and, and have outstanding talent join ADT uh, is, is likely more plentiful than it, than it was prior. Than the, than, than the pandemic starting. Uh, on the bulk side, uh, we've, we've been in the um, bulk business for a long, long time. Uh, it's probably a little early to, to comment on multiples. Um, my sense would be there'd be some downward pressure on multiples, uh, but we are very much um, in the market for high-quality bulk opportunities. Uh, our, our focus is, is really capital-efficient growth, and uh, when we look at capital allocation and, and where to deploy uh, high-return capital, um, bulk is, is very much a, a part of the uh, option set that we're looking at, Rodney, and, and I think probably more so today uh, than, say, four or five or six months ago. Okay. After 9-11, of course, the security industry changed. There was a rush to fund technology and all that that entailed and bringing new products and services to market. How, how do you expect this moment, this crisis, to alter the security industry? Not necessarily from technology, that obviously would be included, but just in ways that maybe you've sat back and pondered. Yeah, you know, I, w I was talking to a uh, colleague of mine the other day about this, and, and I think one of the areas uh, where more and, and maybe different services uh, will be needed will, will be in, in the work-from-home space. Uh, employers uh, are changing their perspective on work from home. Uh, there's a blurring of lines, really, between what is home and, and what is work. And uh, employers have a enhanced duty of care uh, to ensure that there's privacy and, and safety and security uh, of, of the employee uh, when, when they're not uh, working on premises but working from home. And so I think that there may be some opportunities uh, in, in the work from home space where these lines uh, of, of home and work are blurred in ways that they've really never been before. Uh, I think that there's some short-term um, opportunities, you know, the commercial space. Uh, Rodney, you probably know better than I around 
thermal cameras and um, and and the demand that's occurring in in, in that regard. Uh, but but I think probably the biggest, most significant overarching uh, overarching uh, influence will be will, will be the notion of, um, of of the service that all of us in the industry provide around peace of mind. Uh, we know in the in the recession of 2008, 9, and 10 uh, that the industry continued to grow. Uh, our best sense is that during the upcoming recession, the industry will be incredibly resilient, uh, ADT very much included. Um, our early experience is, is exactly that, that, um, that we're going to be a, a really, um, a, a really uh, a resilient business. Um, and I think in the minds of consumers, uh, as much as ever, uh, viewed in the true sense of the word, as, as essential. You are bullish on the future. Yeah, I am. I am. I think uh, you know the. It, it's. Um, I, I think we're in for. Um, I, I think we're in for some tough times economically. Uh, I think that you know this isn't this isn't going to be uh, a, a exceptionally short recovery. Uh, but I think that the business that we're in, uh, as, as at ADT and as an industry, we're, we're really fortunate. Uh, our, our ADT's recurring revenue model um, makes makes us resilient. And uh, at the beginning of our conversation, I, I mentioned to you that um, we're playing defense and offense, and we're really able to play offense because of that model. You know, we can take care of our employees uh, dur during the recession. We can look at bulk acquisition. Uh, we can look at M&A in the commercial space. Uh, Rodney, we're, we're, even, we're even in the market from a talent acquisition perspective uh, because the business is healthy and um, with 36 million jobless claims, uh, this is an opportunity for us to acquire talent. And so while we're mindful of the need to play defense uh, through things like our work-from-home initiative. Uh, there's also plenty of opportunity to play offense here. I could talk shop with you all day long, but uh, I'm sure you have one or one or one or two other things you need to get to. I so we'll we'll leave it at that. Jim, your time is much appreciated. Thank you so much for being with us today, and all the best going forward. Thank you very much, Rodney. Thanks for having me. Great. 